This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to join the other brethren and welcome you here this morning. I appreciate you not only just being here with us, but also being an active participant in the services so far. I appreciate you joining in on the singing and, and the prayers, and thank you for the prayers on my behalf. And it's my prayer that the things we study will be beneficial to you as we study God's Word together. And I'm going to ask, as we continue the service, that you will remain an active participant and that you will look at the study and that you will follow along with me and that you will find ways that you can apply it to your Christian walk as we continue on together. For a little while, I want to talk about the topic of influence. You know, when you think about influence, influence is around us all the time. And I think it's helpful to start off with what is the actual definition of influence? We talk about that word a lot, but let's look at the definition. The definition of influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something. So it's the capacity to have this effect on something else. So when we think about influence, it is around us all the time, 24-7. Now, the magnitude of influence can vary greatly, but influence in itself is always there. Something is always influencing you. It always has the effect on your character, on your development, or your behavior. And you always have an influence on other people around you. You always have an effect upon their character, their development, and their behavior. So I want to look at this topic this morning from two different perspectives. I want to look at it from the first perspective of who or what is developing you, and I want to look at it on the second perspective of the influence that you have on others around your life. After we go into those two perspectives, we're going to look at how do you know what kind of influence you have, and then finally we're going to look at how do we actually make the most of your influence. So this is going to be the outline of the lesson. So let's start off with the influence that you allow in your life. I want to start it off with a quote, and this comes from a, an article from Psychology Today, and it says, the need for acceptance is a basic human instinct. Although some value it more than others, we all want to fit in, to belong. In order to achieve that, we often present slightly different versions of who we are, depending upon the environment and whose company we are in. We might have numerous additions of ourselves for work or at home or even online, all tweaked and modified in order to be accepted in that particular situation. The article that I was looking at on this from Psychology Today was basically saying that we all have this need for acceptance, and we all know that to be true. We all want to, be, to fit in, right? We all want to make sure that we get along with the people around us. And that there's nothing necessarily wrong with the desire to fit in or to be welcomed into a certain group. However, what we need to look at is the environment or the group or the company of who we are trying to fit in with. So when we think about this, you have the power to give or take away the influence someone has over your life depending upon the environment. You can change your environment, and that in, in essence will change the influence that we have. It's no surprise to us that we all will, will present ourselves in a different light, including ourselves. We'll present ourselves to be a different person depending upon the environment around us. If, if you're in a group that has a whole lot of sports fans, then you, you may be willing to talk a little bit more about sports. If you're in a group with really high work ethic and you're at, when you're at work and you have a lot of employees that are working hard, you will tend to work harder. 
If you're in a group where all of your employees are not working as hard and they're tending to slack off, you will probably most likely slack off as well. And it's this basic human instinct of acceptance. We want to fit in. So I want you to think about that with the influence that you allow in your life. The power that you have to change that influence is the power to change that environment. It's the power to change the people that you surround yourself with. Now, one thing I want to mention is the environment can also be a perceived environment, not necessarily real. And what I mean by that is, is the best example we have would be a form of entertainment. So when you think about social media and you think about different people that social media influencers, they present themselves out. I hope you realize that's not necessarily real. The people that put themselves out there and that, that they live a certain lifestyle or they live a certain way, some people can perceive that to be an environment that's not necessarily a real environment. And yet we will try to fit into that perceived environment. Some other examples that you have are certain movies you watch or videos or books you read or just different things that it's all made up, it's all fake, and yet our brain can perceive that as normal or as reality that we will want to fit into those different things. So when we talk about the environment, it's not just the physical environment, it can also be this perceived environment primarily from entertainment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 from the New King James, it says, Be not deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. When we have evil company or we choose to spend time with people that are no longer following God or they're not following God to the level that we know we need to be following God, it will corrupt you. It will influence you and lead you down a path that you ne don't necessarily want to go. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. We use this, this verse a lot, talking about we should be at church. When the doors are open, we should be there. That is very true. The question I want to bring up from this couple of verses is why? Why does God want us to not forsake the assembly? Well, the answer is in verse 24. To consider one another, to provoke into love under good works. I want you to think about this concept for a little bit. There's roughly 30 of us here in this room. Your job at the assembly is to provoke others, encourage others to love and to good works. If you're doing that and everybody else is doing that, then 29 other people are influencing you unto love and to good works. So when we think about not forsaking the assembly, it's not just a matter of serving God and worshiping him the way that, we, that he desires to be, which is very important, don't take me wrong, but the secondary benefit is for your own life. It's so that others around you, the Christians that are, are here worshiping God together, will influence you to keep you on the right track. So here we have this contradiction. We look in 1 Corinthians and we say, Be not deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Or we look at the Christians and, for, and not forsaking the assembly and choosing to spend time with them. Remember, we have the power to control the influence in our life by changing the environment. And the environment is the people that you allow in your life. It can be good Christians that are following after God's work and provoking you into love and to good works, or it can be evil communications, and you have the power to choose that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Once again, the question, why? Why do we prefer one another? Preferring means spend time with each other. Get each other in your life and encourage each other. Spend time with each other just doing things. Why do we want to do that? Well, once again, it's for this influence topic. 
to influence you to be a better Christian and to improve your life so that you can then take that influence and help other people as well. We have an example of someone who chose to spend time with this evil company, and God told him exactly what was happening. That's a man by the name of Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 11, we're going to read the first four verses. Solomon was David's son. David was first, the first king, the second king of Israel, excuse me. Solomon was his son. It says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. I want you to stop right there for just a second. God told them, You do not go into these people. If you do, they will influence you. They will turn away your heart to follow after their gods, not the one true living God. He warned them, Don't go after these people. Solomon's response, Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. What do you know? It came to pass exactly what God had said. God said, don't turn to these people. And I would say Solomon took that to extreme and go the exact opposite. He had 700 wives from these people that, that God said, don't go unto these people. And that's exactly what happened. He chose to follow after these people and they turned away his heart after God. For when it came to pass in verse 4, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So you can see the example. When we allow certain people in our life, we choose to spend time, and we, we choose that environment of the people, the evil communications, you will be corrupt. You will be turned away. So the power that you have when we talk about this concept of influence, is the power to change your environment. It is the power to spend time with people who are going to provoke you to love and to good works and choose not to spend time with people who will turn away your heart after other gods. So that is the, the influence that we allow in our life. The second thing we're going to look at is the influence that you have on others. I want you to get this picture for a second. You're standing here and there's influence coming in, that you're allowing this influence coming in. And then you also influence other people. With that influence you have coming in, that you can either use that as a filter to not allow that to go to other people, or you can use that as a magnitude and you grow that, that influence to other people. But you have that decision. You use the influence that you have coming in, and then you're constantly influencing other people around you 24-7 all the time, whether you realize it or not. There's always someone watching you. So now let's look at the influence that we have on other people. Well, the first thing we want to look at is your immediate household. And specifically, if you're raising kids, there are kids watching you all the time. I found this other quote, and this was a quote from a parenting magazine that I was looking at. And the quote says, even at a very young age, children imitate their parents' behavior. Parent and caregiver behavior presents powerful lessons to a child and leaves impressions on the developing mind. Children store in their mind both positive and negative images that they may be imitated or tested at a later time. Here's the point that I want you to get from this quote, is that children will imitate your behavior much more than they will follow what you actually say. They're looking at your actions. 
They're looking at how you handle certain situations, how you deal with people, how you respond to situations, and they will imitate that. And it starts at a very, very early age. Here's the second thing to realize. This never ends. We talk about this from a children's standpoint, that children will imitate those that are around you. Well, so do adults. Adults will imitate those that are around you too. So I want you to think about this. It's not just about what you do or how you teach your children by what you say. It's also about how you teach your children by how you live and the influence you have upon them with your actions. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to really focus in on that word, bring. That word bring right there, if you look at the Strong's, it says to rear up to maturity, to cherish, or to train. Think about this for a little bit. If I ask you to bring me something, if I ask someone to bring me a songbook, I'm asking you to draw near that songbook to me, to bring it to me. When you think about that from this standpoint, you bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You need to be living in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to bring your children to that maturity. You bring them with you. You don't tell them to go live for the Lord. You bring them as you're living for the Lord. I hope, you make, I hope that makes sense. We wanted to talk about we provoke not the children to wrath, but we bring them up. We raise them and we train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This implies that you draw them to where you are. You don't tell them where to go. You draw them with you. You bring them along with you. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. It tells us to train. I want you to think about the word train for a little bit. It means we got to spend a lot of time. It's not just telling a child what they should do, but we show them what to do. We help them do it. We constantly course correct, make sure that they're staying on the right path to train up a child in the way he should go. This shows the influence that we have as parents is to show them and lead by example. The actions that we have speak much louder than words. When you think about raising children and having the influence over your house, Sometimes we see parents that send mixed messages. The audio doesn't match the video. And what I mean by that is they say one thing and they do something else. What do you think the child will perceive that as? Well, it's inconsistent. It's not clear on what, what the parents are doing, so then it's not clear on what the children should be doing. An example of that could be you tell your children that they should obey you, which is correct, but then they see you not obeying God as your authority. They see you doing something and living a life of sin, but you're telling them that they should obey you as authority, but you're not obeying your own authority of God. That's a mixed message. So what are, what are the children going to think of when they see that? Well, do they really have to obey you, or is it just a good concept? So we want to make sure we're very clear on that message. Another example, telling your kids that going to church and serving God is an absolute priority. It's the number one thing that you should be doing in your life. And yet... Scheduling your child's agenda, agenda so full of extracurricular activities that you force them to miss a lot of the church functions that go on. What message are you sending them? That going to church and worshiping God is a priority? Or that it's a priority when it's convenient and when you don't have anything else going on? It's a mixed message. So what, the point is, when we are bringing up our children in the nurture and admission and we're training them in the way that we should go, the audio must match the video. We have to live with integrity, as what Ben taught us last week. We have to live in a matter of integrity that we will do what we say we're going to do. 
and we lead with influence in a way that leads with actions and by example, not only by words. Our children will imitate our behavior much more than they will follow what we actually tell them to do. They're going to do what you do, not necessarily do what you say. So think about that when you're influencing your house. The second way that we influence is influencing the community around you or the environment around you. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Paul's writing and he's telling Timothy to be an example of the believers. That's the same commandment we have today as Christians. We're called to be an example of the believers to influence the community and the environment around you. And how you do that? Well, you do it in word and what you say. You also do it in your conversation, your general conduct of life, how you treat other people. You do it in, in charity and in love, the charity that you give to other people, in spirit and in faith and in purity. These are how you be an influencer and you be an example of the believers. We're called to be that example. We should be an example of the believers and influence the community around you, that they will also be believers as well. Most of these here are actions. It says word and word, yes, you should be watching what you speak, but most of those things are taking action to serve other people. The second thing is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Matthew, this is Jesus teaching us here, and he's using two basic concepts, salt and light. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I want you to think about salt and light for a minute. Let's, let's look at light first. In this room, this is not a very big room, but if we turned out all the lights and shut all the blinds and got it as dark as possible in here, and yet we lit just one candle and put it over in the corner of the room, that one small candle would give enough light that we could at least get an idea and see enough to move around this room. So the idea is a light, you can take a little bit of light to light up a big place, also known as influence. That little bit of light would light up and influence the whole, whole place so that you could see enough. Same thing with salt. When you think about salt, we use salt all the time and we salt our food. You only need a little bit of salt to get quite a bit of flavor in order for your food. So it's, it's about a matter of influence as well. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are called to be influencers. We are called to influence our community so that they follow after Christ more often. So the third thing is how do you know what kind of influence you have? We've just looked at the influence that you allow in your life. We looked at the influence that we should be projecting out towards other people. How do you know what kind of influence that you have? Well, the first thing is look at what kind of fruit you're bearing. John chapter 15, verse 8 and 9, it says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. What kind of fruit have you been bearing for the kingdom? Is it a positive fruit? Have you been bringing other people to Christ? Have, can you show that you've been showing that love and admonition and charity 
throughout your community and you can see the fruits being buried that way and once I want to point out too this is not a matter of being prideful this is a matter of truly just seeing what kind of influence do you have and you and you look by the fruit that you're presenting and that you're offering to God the second thing we want to look at is what kind of friends do you have what kind of company are you keeping on a continual basis not just on Sundays or not a little bit of the time but who are you choosing to spend time with throughout the week Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, it's often said that you will be the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So look at the people you're spending the most time with. If you want to see what kind of influence you're having out in the world and the influence you're allowing in your life, well, look at the people around you. And most likely, you're acting like them. Remember we talked about that basic human need of acceptance? that we want to be accepted and fit in, well, you're probably doing a really good job of fitting in. So look at who you're fitting in with and what kind of friends that you have. The third thing you want to look at is how do others speak of you, especially when you're not around? How do others speak of you? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24, Paul writes, he says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. What Paul is really talking about here is he's telling us that we, our reputation will precede us. We've heard that quote before. Some men's sins or some men's good works will precede you. So how do people talk about you when you're not around? If you want to think about the influence that you have on other people, the influence that you have in your life, well, what's your reputation? How do people really talk about you? Do they say that you're a great Christian and that you're following after people, you're very dependable, that they can always count upon you? Or do they say, well, you might be a little bit flaky, you're inconsistent, we're just not really sure you know, how he shows up or when he shows up? So how, do, how is people talking about you when you're not around? So the last thing we want to look at is how do you make the most of your influence? Well, it's really two things. Two things to make the most of your influence. Number one is consistency. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look back there in verse 1. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's telling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. When you think about that word sacrifice, that's all in. That is everything that you've got to be a sacrifice. That's consistent. He wants us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world. Don't be wavering back and forth. Be consistent in what you do. Be that living sacrifice. Not going back and forth to sometimes following the world, sometimes following after God. If we aren't consistent, then how can others depend upon us when they have a time of need? We have to be consistent. If we really want to maximize the influence we have over other people in our life, we have to live a consistent life. The second thing is it should not matter who you think is watching you. Philippians 1.27 Paul says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
Paul is writing here, and he says, whether I'm with you or whether I'm not with you, I want you to stand fast, constantly striving together, always looking for the faith of the gospel. Our lives should be so consistent that no matter who we think is or is not around, we're going to live the same way. And here's one thing that I can guarantee you, that people are always watching when you don't realize it. Always. I remember when I was younger, I was a child growing up, I would look to people that were some guys that they were in college, they were in their 20s, or some older guys in their 30s, and I would watch them, I would see what they would do, and I would say, man, I want to be like that guy when I grow up. Well, guess what? I'm now 32. So I'm just curious, who's out there saying the same thing about me when they were younger? Now I look to guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and up, and I look, how do they treat their wives? How do they treat their husbands? How do they, lead their, or how do they live their life and lead their house? I'm looking at these different things of how, what can I take from them and, and how that influences over me. And I will guarantee you that there's always someone watching you. They're looking at how you live your life. So Paul says, whether I be with you or whether I be absent, you stay consistent. You stand fast in one spirit. And that's what I'm urging you to do as well. Stay consistent. Whether you think someone is watching or not, there's always someone watching. The second way of how to make the most of your influence is with clarity. And when I say clarity, I mean they have to know why you're doing it. They, they understand your motivation of why you live the life the way that you do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but a slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Here we have a contradiction here. Anytime you see that word, the but, in verse 15, you have a contradiction. So the first one is in 14. He wants us to not be children tossed to and fro. Don't be wavering back and forth. We just talked a lot about consistency. But instead of being wavering back and forth, speak the truth in love. Grow up into him in all things, which is Christ. Grow in Christ so you're not constantly being torn back and forth. The reason why you want to be consistent, the reason why you want to grow your life and be the better that you can be is so that you're growing into Christ in all things. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You know, when you look at that one verse, to me, that just screams confidence. Could you go say the same thing to other people in your life? Hey, look, if you want to follow after Christ, just do what I do. Could you say that? That's a lot of confidence. Paul writes that to us of be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. The reason and the clarity that we have in our life, the reason we do what we do, is to follow after Christ and to influence others to follow after Christ as well. In Psalms chapter 119, we talk about David a lot. David followed after God's way, and the people always knew what he would do. Let's look at Psalms 119, verse 33 through 40. Beginning in 33, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of the statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep the law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who has devoted thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. 
quicken me in thy righteousness. We can see that David was a man after God's own heart, as it talks about in the book of Acts, that David always followed after his will. Now, he messed up every, every now and then. He wasn't perfect. He did a couple of things that, that were off. And yet, he always strived to do better. He would always try to follow after God. When his faults were presented to him, he would do what he, he knew needed to be done. David followed after God's way, and his people, the children of Israel, they knew they could depend upon him. And he influenced them to continue to follow after God as well. Now, after David died, and there was more kings, you can look through the story of Israel. Sometimes they followed God, sometimes they didn't follow God. But when David was king, the influence he had was that they, they followed God, and they stayed with him. Others are going to look to you for what you say and for what you do, not necessarily your intentions. They will judge you by your actions, and they're going to judge you by what you do. So if you want to have a more powerful and positive influence over those around you and help them to grow up in Christ, it starts with you. You have to grow up in Christ as well. So the things that we want to look at is what is shaping your character, your development, and your behavior. Remember, we started with the definition of influence, and that's what influence is. It is the power to have the effect over your character, your development, and your behavior. We start with that and improve it. So I want to take a little bit of a self-evaluation this week, and I encourage you all to do this as well, is look at your life and ask yourself these questions. Who are you allowing in your life? What kind of influence are you allowing to shape your character, to shape your behavior, and shape your development? The second thing is the character that you use to influence those around you. What kind of character are you using for that influence? The third thing is, who is the standard that you've been following to quote-unquote fit in? The acceptance that you want to fit into a certain group or to a certain environment, what is the standard that you've been using to, to follow that fit in? And last, what is the one step that you'll take today to improve? To improve the influence that you're allowing into your life and the influencing that you're presenting out to other people as well. So I hope we'll all take a moment this week to self-evaluate who we're allowing in our life that's shaping our character, our development, and our behavior. I hope we also will evaluate the influence that we're having on those others as well. The standard to who we've been following in order to fit in, we all know the standard should be Christ. That's the standard. That's who we really should want to fit in with. And we, can, we have the power to choose and to change our environment so it matches that standard as close as possible. Your environment will dictate your actions, and they will dictate what kind of person you're going to be. And you have the power to change that environment. The main way that you can give Christ the ultimate power of influence in your life is by submitting to Him in baptism so He can cleanse you of your sins. If you're still living a life full of sin, you haven't been baptized into Christ, then how can you choose to follow after that environment? How can you choose to let Christ influence you in your life? Well, you let him influence you first by washing you cleansed of your sins, rising up a new person so you can start a new character, new development, and new behavior that is modeled after him and that will follow after him. If you haven't followed after Christ recently, if you have been baptized into him, but you haven't been following after him recently and you've gotten off track, and you've allowed other people to influence you in your life to get you going down the wrong road, it's time to change. It's time to change that environment. It's time to change the people or the things that are influencing you to go down the wrong road. You have this power to change that environment.
and we can help you as your brothers and sisters. If you need to study, if you need to pray, if you want to spend more time with brothers and sisters to change your environment so you get back on that right track, then we don't want nothing more for you to help you. Our goal here as brothers and sisters and, and Christians is to help each other, to influence each other to be better. Remember, we want to provoke unto love and to good works. We want to continue to see each other grow and develop. So if you'd like to, for Christ to wash you of your sins and baptism today, and he'll be the ultimate influencer of your life, or if you need to get back on the right track and follow after Christ and let your brothers and sisters help you with prayer, with study, however we can, we ask that you let your request be made known. Come have a seat on the front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.